Welcome to Herrick Does That, a podcast on current legal topics, relevant industry and legal trends, and significant developments in the law, brought to you by the attorneys of Herrick Feinstein. I'm Erwin Kishner, Herrick's executive chairman, and I want to thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. My name is Deborah Koplovitz. I'm a partner at Herrick Feinstein. I work specifically in the co-op condo group, and I also do commercial and real estate litigation and general representation of small entities, real estate entities, including co-ops and condos. And I am here to talk about the PPP program that has been put in place by the government to assist businesses in times of COVID. And I'm here with my brilliant partner, Andy Gold, and he's going to introduce himself. Thanks, Deborah. My name is Andy Gold. I'm a partner in Herrick Feinstein, the real estate department, specializing in all avenues of transactional real estate, as well as specializing, uh, unfortunately or fortunately these days, in the uh, PPP program, uh, the application, uh, the um, SBA uh, statutory guidelines, as well as the forgiveness application. And Deborah and I are here to talk about the PPP plan as it relates to co-ops. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And thanks thanks to all of you out there listening and tuning in. And we really hope we can be helpful to you and your board as you try to navigate this really thorny and complicated set of statutes and rules and regulations that were initially put in place and that were recently changed. We're hoping to simplify it for you so that you can go ahead and get the money that you need from the government to keep your building operating. So to give a little bit of background, I guess, Andy, maybe you could start just by giving our co-op and condo friends some background about how the PPP loan program was recently changed due to you know Chuck Schumer's tremendous efforts to get co-ops into this program. Right. Under the original uh, PPP program that uh, was enacted in 2020, uh, most real estate owning companies were not eligible uh, to apply for or obtain a PPP loan, co-ops uh, being one. Under the uh, new statute that came out uh, at the end of, uh, of December of this year, that prohibition with respect to, to co-ops is now gone. The um, powers that be I think recognize that uh, co-ops, particularly those that have retail uh, and other type of commercial uh, tenants where they derive uh, income from those tenants uh, may have suffered uh, a financial loss uh, by the, either the loss of the tenants totally or in a number of instances that I'm aware of the co-op having to uh, give those tenants rent breaks in order to keep them uh, in the premises under the theory that some money is better than no money and perhaps we'll pick it up later. So the, the PPP now um, does um, apply co-ops. It's going to be a first draw PPP. The, the new statute has both a first draw and a second draw PPP for those business entities that received the PPP under the original program. Uh, co-ops would not be part of the second draw, so uh, they would uh, file uh, new applications. And, and the rules uh, and the eligibility requirements with respect to first draw PPP and second draw PPP are different. You do not uh, if you're getting your first draw, have to show any kind of uh, diminution in uh, the revenue uh, that the enterprise has suffered uh, as a result of COVID. So we can we can get into that uh, a little bit later. But that's uh, the general differences, Deborah, between uh, what has been passed and and what came out recently. 
Yeah, I totally agree. The other interesting, or not necessarily interesting, but the other wrinkle here is that in New York City, especially, we have a growing number of condominium buildings, and unfortunately, they're not included. So a condominium may very well have very much diminution in in revenue from its common charge stream, but they're not able to participate in this program at this time. Whether or not they expand it, whether or not Congress expands it later on is remains to be seen. But I think one thing that's a couple things that are really important for co-op boards who are considering applying is that they make sure that they check their bylaws. Most bylaws will allow a co-op to take out loans. So that shouldn't be a problem. But if there's a sponsor that still controls the building, there may be some limitation. So definitely you need legal counsel to come in and help you double check that and also double check your current mortgage and note with any current lender because it, very often those documents prohibit the borrower, and here we're talking about the co-op, from taking out any more money without the lender's consent. Sometimes those documents allow a certain amount of money to be taken out with the lender's consent. So you just want to make sure you're not going to do anything that's in violation of those documents because that could trigger your lender calling a default and foreclosing. And that would really add a much worse problem than trying to rectify a decreased revenue stream due to COVID. Deborah, that you know that that was um, a factor with non-co-op PPP borrowers under the you know the first uh, PPP situation. And in my experience in dealing with uh, various uh, business entities that we we advised uh, on getting those loans, we generally found that most lenders, even though there were prohibitions about getting additional financing permitted that uh, additional financing to proceed because of, of, of two reasons. One was the great likelihood uh, that the loan would turn into a grant and be forgiven. And the second was a little bit more practical, which was if the business enterprise needed funds to continue to operate and stay in business in order for the revenue to be sufficient to pay the first lender. Uh, it made a lot of sense for the lender to let somebody else take the risk as opposed to either uh, foregoing interest or other payments or having to lend additional money to that enterprise. So, you know, generally, uh, you know, in, in, in my experience, uh, lenders have been pretty um, lenient in terms of waiving those types of covenants. And that's great. And it's all the more reason just to be upfront with your lender, having nothing to basically fear that they're going to say no to you. So just, you know, go ahead and get their consent. And a lot of times it really makes sense to work with your current lender to get the PPP loan and do one-stop shopping. A co-op really shouldn't hesitate to apply now, waiting for the final rules to come out. I, I, are you in agreement on that, Andy? Yeah, look, I, I think so. Under, under the original uh, uh, PPP, the SBA changed the guidelines and the uh, frequently asked answers to frequently asked questions. It seems almost on a daily basis. I know it wasn't like that. Uh, they changed the the game, uh, you know, sort of in the in, in the middle of of play uh, with respect to larger companies getting PPP loans and having to put addition having to do additional certifications. However, I, I wouldn't wait. Um, I don't think the, the rush here is going to be as ferocious as it was to get the loans the first time around. But obviously, there is a limited amount of funds. And, you know, it's funny, as you, you mentioned that, you know, these interim rules, I mean, these interim rules can change all the time. And frankly, I would not be surprised 
uh, to see that the rules change and make um, or the guidelines or regulations change and make condos uh, condos eligible for for the reason you mentioned a few minutes ago in terms of uh, condos suffering the same way as uh, as a co-op would. Um, I don't I don't see any particular distinction between uh, between the two. So um, what what we've been advising our co-op clients is to work with their managing agent. Uh, in order to uh, fill out the application uh, and to work with uh, the managing agent's bank, because the, the managing agents, particularly those who represent uh, a number of, of co-ops, um, have banking relationships that they've gone to for purposes of uh, the application and for funding of the PPP loan. That's a great comment, and I think a good segue to now talking a little bit about the application itself and the loan necessity questionnaire that has this interesting provision in it that a co-op and other borrowers, you know, certify that they're making this application because of economic uncertainty. And that is what's making the loan necessary. So I think let's talk a little bit about that. Um, And we can also maybe talk a little bit about that Co-op shouldn't be afraid to apply. That the application itself really isn't that onerous. It's a, I think an eight-page or so a- application, a nine-page application with with the first page of you know direction. So we're really looking at an eight-page application. A co-op can self-certify as long as it's getting a loan under a certain amount. But let's talk a little bit about that economic uncertainty, Andy. I, th- I think that's something that people want to hear about. Yeah, I mean, there, there is a, there is a, uh, certification, uh, in the, in the PPP application. And, and one of the questions or one of the things that the co-op has to certify to is current economic uncertainty makes this loan, uh, request necessary to support the ongoing operations of the applicant. Now, you know, if you have a co-op, as I mentioned before, that has, uh, you know, some, some commercial tenants and they've either had to make accommodations where they're not certain those tenants will survive given the COVID situation, I think it's pretty easy to uh, to make that certification. If you don't have that type of a situation, maybe it gets a little bit tougher, but I, I think it's such an amorphous question, uh, and it's almost as if beauty is in the eye of the beholder in terms of what does current economic uncertainty mean with respect to a particular uh, co-op. For example, uh, a co-op could be concerned that uh, a number of its uh, of its uh, shareholders might be facing uh, economic setbacks uh, in their personal lives and in their businesses, may lose their jobs, uh, and may then not be able to pay maintenance, for example. So, you know, is that something that theoretically is a is a uh, economic uncertainty for the business? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly one could one could one could make that argument. There's no hard and fast standards. Uh, with respect to the certification, so it's 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 fairly flexible in my view. I think I think so too. I mean, of course, there's always a risk, and um, we can't make any promises to anyone out there that you know by certifying that you have an economic uncertainty that you're not going to run up against the other requirements in the loan application that could subject you know, the co-op and the signatories to some penalties. But I think if you feel there is a a chance of that, you know, we think that they should take a pretty broad interpretation of what economic uncertainty means in this current environment. So that should hopefully give you some comfort on that. 
so moving on, I think let's talk a little bit about, and I think people are pretty clear on this, but we want to make sure people understand what the amount of this loan that will hopefully be converted to a grant will entail. And it's really to cover payroll and it's up to two and a half months of payroll for the most part that payroll expenses that the co-op is needing to cover. Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 the payroll is, is the basis upon which the amount of the loan is determined. So um, a, a, a eligible entity can uh, obtain a PPP loan equal to two and a half times the average total monthly payroll costs uh, incurred uh, in this case in this case by the co-op. And you can look at two time periods. One is the one year period before the date of the loan. Well, the second is calendar year 2019. There's a maximum amount of $2 million, but I doubt that co-ops would come anywhere near that uh, in terms of a monthly average payroll cost. Um, so, you know, if you had more staff, let's say, in 2019 than you had in 2020, uh, uh, you can use two and a half times uh, the average monthly payroll costs uh, for, for 2019. And, and obviously, if 2020 you had uh, more employees or a higher payroll, uh, you could you could use uh, that time period. And, and the payroll is is not just salary; it includes benefits, it includes health care, it includes retirement benefits, uh, and things like that. Uh, capped at a hundred thousand uh, uh, dollars per per employee. So if you had an employee that's making one hundred twenty thousand dollars, for example, uh, you you wouldn't be able to count the uh, the twenty thousand uh, dollars in the uh, calculation of uh, of average total monthly payroll costs right but that's how, that's how you would come up that's how you come up with the amount of loan that the uh, co-op would be eligible for right and I think that's pretty straightforward um, and I think you made it even clearer for people so the really only I mean maybe there's a couple more things we can talk about is self-certification is people can self or co-ops can self-certify that the PPP funds have been used according to the regulations as long as that the loan is for hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less and I, I think quite frankly many of our buildings and certainly our smaller buildings are going to come into that category I, I think most of our I can comfortably say that most of our co-ops are going to come under the $150,000 limit. So they, they'll be able to self-certify, which makes it much easier to go ahead and get it. And then we can turn, I think, for the last thing, Andy, to talk about the loan forgiveness application. Because really, it's great to get a loan, but it's better to get a grant. Um, so we they, the government did uh, publish the loan forgiveness application. Uh, which is also more streamlined than the last one. Uh, I don't know if Andy, if you want to talk about the loan forgiveness application form thirty five oh eight, which was revised on January nineteenth. Yeah, there's actually two two forms. The thirty five oh eight is is for loans that generally are in excess of one hundred fifty thousand dollars. There's a thirty five oh eight EZ, which is for borrowers of, that have loans of one hundred fifty thousand dollars or less. Which, you know, if you, if you take a look at the two and a half times, uh, payroll costs, the monthly payroll costs, uh, for the max amount of loan, uh, you, you'd have to have average monthly payroll for your co-op of $60,000, uh, or more in order to get over the $150,000 number. So, I mean, I think Deborah, for the most part, particularly obviously with the smaller, uh, co-ops, you know, that, that $150,000 threshold is probably not going to be met. 
But uh, if you do take a loan of less than 150000 uh, it's a very simplified uh, forgiveness application. And it, 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 again, as you mentioned, just contains certifications uh, rather than the uh, more extensive numerical calculations that a borrower would have to demonstrate to achieve uh, full, full forgiveness. So um, we, we think, uh, unless the, the co-op is, is, is a very, very large payroll and a large staff, that most of them will uh, be in the under $150,000. Great. And, you know, so just to let everyone know, I mean, you'll see when if you pull up the 350-3508 easy form, you'll see the certifications that you have to check the boxes. It's not too much. The, the, the whole application for the loan forgiveness is, you know, three pages long. Uh, half of that page is instructions. So it's really pretty simple to do. And I think there's just really no reason why a co-op shouldn't make a PPP loan application, and then hopefully also get the loan forgiveness at the end of the day as well. Yeah, just a, just a, a couple of comments on, on on that before we, uh, you know, finish on, on loan forgiveness, Deborah. Um, you, you, the, the bar, in order to get loan forgiveness, the borrower has to select what's known as a covered period, uh, which can either be uh, eight weeks after the date of the loan origination or 24 weeks after the date of loan origination. And they have to use the money for what's basically covered expenses. Uh, that definition of covered expenses has been expanded in the second round of PPP. Uh, previously, it was just for uh, payroll. Uh, it would be for uh, mortgage interest payments um, and utilities. Uh, that's now been expanded to include a number of uh, COVID-related expenses that one might have uh, in a building to uh, protect its staff. Uh, and also in terms of, uh, you know, various other types of, uh, of inventories that might be necessary for maintenance and things like that. But the bulk of the uh, PPP money is meant to be spent to uh, maintain staff. And so the requirement is that at least 60% of the money uh, be used to pay employee salaries. Yeah. And, you know, there's some other things in there, like you didn't reduce salaries or hourly wages by more than 25% during any covered period. Uh, you know, there's a few other things in there, but it's pretty easy for any co-op board member to go through this. If you need our help, if you need your managing agent's help, go ahead and reach out and you'll be able to submit this. Yeah, and, and and I agree, and you know I'm in a, as as I, we, we discussed earlier, I'm in, I'm in a co-op. Uh, we are applying for uh, a PPP. It's not going to be a significant amount of money, but it's uh, it's it's money, uh, and uh, we we anticipate that the full amount would 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 be forgiven. Uh, we've worked with our managing agent, uh, who is working with their bank uh, and with other co-ops that are under the same uh, that are being managed by the same managing agent. So. Um, it's, it's, it is a very, very simple process, particularly if you use uh, their expertise. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Andy, thank you so much. I really appreciate working with you and really appreciate, of course, all your input on this. I hope everyone found this to be useful. We have an article on our website that covers a lot of these topics. Andy and I are here if you want to reach out. And we thank you so much for joining. Andy? Thanks, Deborah. It really was interesting going through this with you. And uh, I hope that what we've said on this podcast is going to be helpful to our clients in terms of navigating the borders of the Paycheck Protection Program. 
Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you very much for joining us for Herrick's podcast, Herrick Does That. To learn more about our firm and to listen to additional recordings, please visit us at www.herrick.com.